Well, I hope you have your Bible with you. I want you to open it up over to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6, as we are getting into the issues here in our study in Romans having to do with the Christian life. As we have seen in our study, Romans 1 through 5 talks about the lost condition of man and then the one that God sent, the Lord Jesus Christ, to be the payment. More about that in a little while. But he did come, he did pay for all of our sin. He took care of the payment and he rose from the grave. And our part in becoming saved is simply to trust in him, believe in him that he did that for us. And when we do, we are born again, we have eternal life and uh, we are accepted in the beloved one. Now, once we're saved, though, something happens. And I, I can totally get this because it's not something that we would naturally understand. We have eternal life, that is true. Of course, we still, though, even though we're saved, even though the bondage of our old nature was, was broken, the old nature is still there. But one of the big mistakes that we have is in thinking that, okay, I am free now. See, here's the mind of religion. I am free from the penalty of sin. I can no longer go to hell. And so there you go. I'm free now and I can just basically have a mentality of it. Really, I can just uh, live with uh, the joy of knowing I can't ever be lost, which is, by the way, an awesome joy and it's a wonderful thing to know. But not understanding that, wait a minute, if we just uh, because we're free from the penalty of sin, live in some way that's like unrestrained behavior, we fail to forget that that is not okay. In other words, there are bad results that come from that. And God wants us to understand something very, very important that, well, let me put it this way. Before you're saved, you are under a master before you're saved. When we get saved, yes, we are no longer under that old master. We don't, let me put it this way. Technically, we're no longer under him. Practically, we don't need to be under him. But God wants us to understand. We are now under a new master. Now, we do not have to listen to the new master. We have freedom. We have freedom to choose which master we will live under. But the key I want you to understand today, folks, is this. No matter before you're saved or after you're saved, you have some master in your life, all right? We are always a servant. Once we are a servant, we're always a servant. The question is, a servant to whom? A servant to what? This is key for us to understand. So I want you to look with me to Romans chapter six and verse one, it says this, what shall we say then? In other words, in light of the fact that once we're saved, we're saved forever, we're declared righteous, we're justified from all things, we're children of God, all of our sins taken care of, we've got a home in heaven, and all the good things that come with that. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin? Now, by the way, the fact that that's a possibility shows that, yeah, you could do that, but notice the next part of the verse. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Then verse two, God forbid, God forbid, literally may it never be. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Now this is a question every Christian should ask himself when we are faced with temptation. 
we're saved. We have eternal life. We can't ever be lost no matter what we do. You mean to say that a Christian could, could uh, live in sin? Now, by the way, that is a, a concept a lot of people reject today, that a Christian can live in sin, but they can. If you don't believe that, you're not reading your Bible. You're reading too many books. Put the books down. Start reading the Bible. I highly recommend it. It's a good thing. But we can continue in sin. But God says, no, don't do that. Don't do that. You've been freed from that bondage. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Again, it's a question every Christian should ask himself when faced with temptation. Shall I continue in sin that grace may abound? Oh, God forbid. Jump down to verse 11. We covered the other verses last time. Verse 11 says, likewise, reckon ye also yourselves. Now remember, he's talking to believers. He's talking to Christians, right? He's not talking to lost people. He's talking to people who are already saved. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God. Do you see that? Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign, rule in your mortal body that you should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members, your body parts, as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but, can I put it this way? But instead, okay? But yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. You notice here in verse 13, notice in verses 12 through 13, the definite possibility of sin reigning in the life of a Christian, but it is contrary to the will of God. And get this today, folks, it will destroy your life. We've been freed. We can't ever go to hell, that's true. But if we live according to our old nature... It will destroy your life. You'll suffer the consequences of that. Verse 14, for sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but under grace. In other words, what is verse 14? It's not saying it's not possible because the verses right before it said it was possible. What it is is this, it's an appeal for us to remember our standing in Christ. Okay, this is a wonderful reminder for the believer that you do not have to live under the bondage of the old nature any longer. We're under the grace of God. Your position in Christ has freed you from that. We're children of God now, okay? We've been bought with a price. We belong to him. That's key, by the way. We belong to God. Verse 15, what then? Shall we sin? Because we are not under the law, but under grace? Many Christians today would say, well, sure, why not? But the divine answer to that is what? Look at it in verse 15. God forbid. God forbid. You see, we are now under grace. We have been set free from sin. But let us understand this. Listen now, this is crucial. Let us understand this. We are under grace someone or something at all times. Let me say it again. We are under someone or something at all times. I don't know if this is good English or not, but you'll get it. We are not unaccountable, all right? We are not unaccountable. 
Verse 16, know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or obedience unto righteousness. You notice here, two choices. By the way, only two. This is what I want you to get today. This is what we need to understand. There are two choices, only two, okay? Let's carefully look at this issue. We're gonna break this down. And by the way, it's sin unto death or obedience unto the righteousness. We are either going to follow the desires and live by the desires of our own will and our own flesh, okay? Or we are gonna live according to the desires of the Lord and our new nature in our lives. You might say, well, I don't know about that. Now, here's, here's where a lot of Christians are today. Well, you know, I, I know that God wants me to follow Christ with my life, and I know he wants me to be devoted and surrendered and live a godly life, and I, and I know that. That's kind of like going overboard to me. I don't think I really want to go that way. Well, then the only other choice you have is to live, you're going to live according to your flesh, which is to live according to sin. Oh, no. Well, I don't want to go there. You know, I don't want to be a, a no count. I, I don't want to really be bad, but I, I don't think I really want to go, you know, really be devoted, live a devoted life to Jesus Christ. Here's what God says. You only have two choices. Christ will be the master of our lives. And by the way, it's a choice. It's not automatic. Or your flesh will be the master of your life. Now, folks, if we could just grasp this and accept it, we would be so much better off in this regard. Let's look carefully at this. Number one, everyone is a servant to something or someone. Now, the word servant here is, is a word doulos, okay? And it, it means a slave, but listen carefully to this. Uh, this is someone simply under the authority of another. That's the idea. It's someone under the authority of another. It doesn't necessarily mean something abusive. We think of slavery in our country, and we think immediately of abuse and people in chains and shackles and getting whipped and beat up and hung and everything like that. No, 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 no. That's not the biblical picture. Yes, there was slavery like that, okay? Now, I know some people don't want to hear what I'm about to hear, but in the Roman Empire, slavery was a major lifestyle, okay? Lots of people were slaves in New Testament times, they weren't all abused by their masters. Some of them were treated very well. As a matter of fact, some of them loved their master so much that they became known as bond slaves. They were bound from the heart to their master because their master treated them so well. So the idea of a master over us is not a picture of bondage. It can be a picture of blessing. It depends on who the master is. Okay, do we get that? Now, I know there are people who don't want to hear that, okay? But it's the truth, so we need to hear it. This idea of slavery always being or uh, being a servant under somebody's authority, always being abusive and bad, I'm afraid we get that idea today by watching too many movies, all right? It is just not the biblical picture. Secondly, everyone at any moment is a servant to some master, Everyone 
at every moment is a servant to some master. There is, in other words, there's never a time when we are not. I say, well, I don't, I don't like that. No, 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 I'm living in between. No, you're not. I cannot live in between. I'm either letting Jesus be my master, I'm living in submission to him, fulfilling his will, or I'm living in submission to my old nature, my sin nature, my, my lust, my passions, and letting that be the directive in my life. No, 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 no. I'm somewhere in between. You are not. No one is. This is the biblical picture. This is the way it is. Now, what's really sad is lost people don't even have Christ. So all they have is their old sin nature. That's their master. But when we get saved, that bondage is broken because when we get saved, we're crucified with Christ. Therefore, we're no longer under the old master. We don't have to live under the old master. Has no authority over us any longer. But does that mean that we can't go and live under that old abusive master? No, we still can. It's just that we shouldn't. Jesus said in John eight thirty four, he answered them, verily, verily, I say unto you, whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. That word servant, same word as what you find here in Romans chapter six. Whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. Third, let me say this. We are either serving the flesh or serving the Lord. Again, there's no option here. There's no other option. It is impossible to be neutral. One commentary put it this way, and I thought it was excellent. To refuse to allow God to be master over your life is to choose slavery to sin. There it is. But you know what? Since I've been a believer, I've seen it so many times. There are Christians who, who, these are saved people, okay? They got saved. The bondage of sin was broken in their life. And so they learn, they grow a little bit, and they learn and they understand, listen, you should live a life that is surrendered and submitted to the Lord Jesus Christ and let him be the master, the Lord, okay, of your life. And they say, no, I don't want that. I don't want that. That's too constricting. It's too confining for me. Man, I just want to be able to spread my wings and, and do what I want. You are going under the bondage of the old man again, Okay. Romans 6, verse 17. But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. In other words, when we were lost, we were the servants of sin. All we had was our sin nature, but we obeyed from the heart the doctrine which was delivered us. Now the doctrine being spoken of here is the gospel. The gospel message. This is the only message that can deliver us. Hold your place and look with me to Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. See, terminology is, is important. We oftentimes, we see the word obedience and we immediately think about doing good works to get to heaven. No, 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 no. It's, it, using the word obedience is a context-sensitive word. You have to obey what, okay? What is it that we are to obey? I know people have a hard time with this because they'll say, well, to obey the gospel, isn't that good works? Well, no. To obey the gospel is simply to apply it or believe what it says. That's what the, the, the terms of the gospel are believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. 
It isn't give money, live a good life, and all that. No, to uh, obey the gospel is to believe in Christ as your savior. Well, isn't that a good work? No, because Romans 4, 5 says, but to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. The contrast between believing and obedience in the sense of doing good works is very clear. They're not the same. They're not the same. Romans 10, 16, look what it says. It says, but they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah saith, Lord, who hath what? Believed our report. That's how you obey the gospel is by believing in Jesus Christ as your savior. Romans 1.16 puts it this way. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. All right? Turn with me to Romans chapter three. Arnie mentioned this in the offering this morning. Romans chapter three. You see, folks, the way we obey from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered to us, that is the gospel, and the way you obey it is by believing the terms of the gospel, that Christ died on the cross, paid for your sins, he was buried, three days later he rose from the grave. You're putting your faith in him, the payment he made for you, and God gives you everlasting life as a gift, okay? Romans 3, verse 23, notice it says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, the redemption, the payment price. Jesus paid the price, okay? He bought us out of the slave market through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God hath set forth to be the propitiation, the satisfactory payment through faith in his blood, to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. Verse 28, therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith without, without the deeds of the law. So faith in Christ is what brings eternal life, okay? Now I want you to go back with me to Romans chapter six and let's let's get the flow here in Romans chapter six and you notice in... uh, Verse 17 again, it says, But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. Verse 18, watch this now. Being then made free from sin, in the same breath he says, ye became the servants of righteousness. Do you see it? Free from sin, the servants of righteousness. Here's the problem with most people. They have a disconnect. Free from sin. You don't have to serve the Lord. Okay, I don't want to be the servant of righteousness. Oh, wait a minute though. You don't have to. But if you don't submit to the Lord and follow him and serve him with your life, then you're you're saying is, I was free from sin, but you know what? I'm going back there. Oh, no, no. I want to live somewhere. There's no in between. There's no in between. There's the flesh. There's the Lord unrighteousness, righteousness, problems, blessings. Take your pick. Take your pick. That's what Romans 6 is all about. Take your pick. Being then made free from sin, you became the servants of righteousness. Knowing that being made free from sin made us the servants of righteousness. We were bought out of the slave market of sin. We've been redeemed by another master, the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen now, he is loving 
He is gracious. He is merciful. Yes, we have a new master, but he's the best that there could ever be. And it is a delight to serve him. Now, what person in their right mind would want to go back under an abusive, mean, nasty, punitive, punishing, torturous master? But if you don't go under the Lord, we end up going there. Here's the thing. Now, I know people hear that. Well, that's, that's you know, well, I think that, that sounds like lordship salvation. No, no, friend, you are not understanding the Bible. Look at the text. Number one, it's salvation's a gift. You can't lose it once you have it. If you don't go under the lordship of Christ, you're still saved. But the problem is you do choose, when you don't do that, you choose to go under the old master who is abusive, sin, and the old nature. It's a choice, though. It's a choice. No contradiction in this. I don't know about you, but I like the fact that Jesus Christ is loving, gracious, and merciful. The Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. I'm here to tell you, he is good. He is good. It's the best place to live. See, we were not made free to sin because that would be going right back under the old master. To think that God has saved us to sin more is a perversion of grace. Grace teaches us godly living, not carnal living. Romans 6.19. It says, I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as ye have yielded your members, okay, presented, surrendered, the idea, yielded your members, servants, to uncleanness, and to iniquity unto iniquity, that's the way it was when we were lost. We had one master and only one master. Even so now yield your members servants to righteousness unto holiness. Look at the difference, the results. If we yield ourselves to the old master, uncleanness, and to iniquity unto iniquity, instead let's yield ourselves to our Savior, and be servants to righteousness, and what's the result? Holiness. For when ye were the servants of sin, I love the way Paul says this, verses 20 and 21. He says, for when you were the servants of sin, you were free from righteousness. Verse 21, I'm going to, I'll read the text in just a minute, but basically verse 21, he's saying this. When you, uh, verse 20, when you were the servants of sin, you were free from righteousness. Verse 21, how did that go? That's what verse 21 is saying. What fruit had ye then in those things which were of you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. Saying, we've got a new, awesome master. Let's serve him. Let's serve him. Let's see the wonderful blessings and the abundant life that God can give us. Which leads us to our fourth point. To live in submission to the old master's sin leads to a destroyed life. To live in submission to the new master leads to tremendous blessings. Let me show you some of those here. Hold your place here in Romans 6. Go with me to Galatians chapter 5. Which, by the way, Romans 6 and 7 are beautifully paralleled with Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. Galatians 5 the old master of the flesh. 
Okay. I said, well, you know what? I'm, I'm a Christian, but I don't like the idea that now that I'm saved, I'm supposed to serve the Lord. I'm supposed to, you know, give up bad things. I, and I like those things of the old life and this and that. Okay, friend, listen. Bondage, problems, okay? Let's use our heads. Let's use our heads. Let's be reasonable as people. Now the works of the flesh, here's the results of living according to the old nature, are manifest, they're made known. Which are these? Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, that's moral uncleanness, lasciviousness, okay, that's unrestrained behavior. In other words, you live like a, like a wicked animal. Idolatry, witchcraft, and that includes drugs, the word witchcraft, pharmakia. We get our word pharmacy from it. Hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, anger, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murder, drunkenness, revelings. I don't think there's a person alive who would look at that and say, yeah, man, that sounds all that, all that sounds great. That's the kind of life I want. Well, But if we go back under the bondage of the old nature, okay, or choose that, let me put it that way, these are the results of life in the flesh. Of which I tell you before, as I have told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Does that mean that if Christians do these things, they won't go to heaven? Some people say, yeah, that's what it's saying. No, it's not saying that. Or they'll say, well, these people are never saved. It's not saying that. It's talking about the flesh. The flesh cannot inherit the kingdom of God. But we who are saved have something better. We've been saved by the grace of God. We have a new nature. And that new nature, by the way, is what's going to heaven. Listen, when we die, Christian, when we die, we leave our old nature here. Can I hear amen to that? Amen, okay. I don't hardly ever do that, but it was appropriate. (laughs) Verse 22, here's that important word. But... In contrast to the old nature, the old life, the bondage, the problems, the heartache, the misery, okay? The life that looks like a country western song. Verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit. This is what the Lord produces instead when we walk with him. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. Now listen, I grew up in the 60s. You saw it all the time. Love, man, peace, joy, love, you know. Let me have some more drugs, love. That's the way people thought. No, no, friend, that's not where you get it. This is true love, true joy, true peace. Only comes from the Lord. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, which is humility, temperance, self-control, self-control, self-control. You know what? When we're walking under the power of the Holy Spirit, under the Lord, guess what? He gives us self-control and we won't fulfill the lust, the desires of the old sin nature. Against such there is no law. Wow. You know, You read that and it's like, this is a no-brainer. I know who I'm going to allow to run my life. Go back to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. Here we see it again. 
Listen, there, a lot of this is being repeated in these verses. Why? Because God's trying to drive something home. Only two masters. Only two masters. Only two masters. Only two masters. Either the flesh and the sin nature or the Lord Jesus Christ. One or the other. Verse 22. But now, but now, being made free from sin, that's the position of every Christian, and become servants to God, ye have your fruit. What's the result of that? Unto holiness and the end everlasting life, okay? Or the, the uh, yes, if you're saved, what is the end? Well, obviously we're going to be with the Lord, but this is also experiencing that everlasting life now. I think it's, it, it has a, uh, a uh, reference to the abundant life in Christ. That we can experience that everlasting life now. This is not works for salvation. That's contrary to everything we've read so far. Here's the point. Verse 22, there's only two masters, sin or God. Sin or God. We as Christians, we have a choice. Yes, we can live according to sin to the old man. God forbid. We shouldn't, but we pay the price. But if we let the Lord run the show, we're going to be happy with the results of that. See, here's the issue. Question is, which is better, to be the servant of sin or the servant of righteousness? I think we've answered that pretty well here this morning. Verse 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Verse 23 gives us two vital truths concerning the wages of sin. One is positionally, in other words, as God sees us eternally, that's our position in Christ, which is the basis for our victory, living a victorious Christian life. Our position, remember, salvation is a gift. God gives this to us when we trust in Jesus Christ as our Savior. Look up here, look up here. Let me explain to you this way. If this hand represents you and me, and let this wallet represent our sin. Here we are, we come into the world as sinners. Listen, we're not sinners because we sin. We sin because we're sinners. It's our nature. We have a sin nature. We're fallen, okay? We're fallen. Sin separates us from the Lord. Now to get to heaven... To live with God forever in heaven, you have to be sinless. Well, none of us are. We're sinners. Therefore, we are disqualified. God says our sin has to be paid for. And if we do it, the wages of sin is death. We'd be separated from God for all eternity. That's what the Bible tells us. Good works won't take care of it. Why? Because we're already disqualified. We're already sinners. See, this has got to be gone, not covered with good works. That's, that's religion. Religion says, well, we'll cover it with good works. We'll, we'll mount up the good works and God will take the good works and he'll put it on one scale over here. And you know, they'll even say that. Some people say, well, you know, there's a scale in heaven. Where'd you get that? It's a fairy tale. Your entrance into heaven is recognized by only one thing, the blood of Jesus Christ put to your account. But they think, put the good things on this side, the bad things on this side, whichever one's heavier determines where you go. No, God says this, you have to have all your sin gone to go to heaven. Well, that leaves us all out. So then what are we going to do? Nothing we could do of ourselves. That's why God sent Jesus. This hand represents him. He was sinless. And when he went to the cross, God in the flesh, he took our sin upon himself and he made the payment so we don't have to. He did it for us because he loves us. 
He paid the price. He rose from the grave and he says, I've paid for all your sins. If you believe in me that I did that for you, I'll give you as a free gift everlasting life. Look at it. For by grace are you saved through faith, grace, God's unmerited favor. For by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So our position in Christ, the basis of victory. But secondly, you notice in verse 23, it also contrasts the two spheres as masters of a person's life. The wages of sin, death, disaster, destruction. We follow that master as a Christian, we're going to have a problem. If we follow the Lord, there's great blessings within that. One more verse, Romans chapter 8. I know you're in 6. Turn over one page. Look at how simple this is. Remember, folks, once a servant, always a servant. There is no such thing as a person who's not a servant. We're a servant to something or someone, always. Romans 8, verse 6, it says this, For to be carnally minded, that's to live according to your flesh. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. One man put it this way, two choices on the shelf, serving God or serving self. Well put, it's true. Once a servant, always a servant. Well, friends, that concludes this edition of Voice of Assurance. Thanks so much for listening. And would you share this ministry with a friend? To contact us or learn more about our ministry, please visit www.northlandchurch.com. Your prayers and support for this ministry are greatly appreciated. Thank you so much, and God bless you.